Welcome everyone to Casa Live. We're back. Alex, we're back. We're back. We are back. This is officially season three of Casa Live, you guys. Season nice. three of Casa Live. If we were a Netflix show, <laughs> we would this would be season three of Casa Live. Welcome everybody. Uh, I see some familiar canceled. faces in chat already. Michael, Peggy, A Adrian, welcome uh yeah we're back uh this is uh gonna be kind of our first official um i guess episode live stream whatever of this uh this congressional session considering we take off the summer just like all of our policymakers do as well um we do have some some news to talk about we got some things going on um and a lot of this though is just going to be kind of like a, a catch-up from some newsworthy things some stuff that happened over the summer i know alex has some stuff to talk about i have some articles and things to go over Kristen is hopefully going to be joining us uh at some point she's experiencing some technical difficulties with her uh computer that is apparently vexed her that's what we were told that she was being vexed by her computer um otherwise i guess i guess that's really i don't know how to do this anymore man i don't know is this do i have an opening shtick i don't even remember the ending shtick i'm gonna wing it when we get there but <laughs> I, I i think it's all welcome everyone thanks for joining us and and you know we'll get right to it oh i, I mean i'm sure more than that. you know it's been a, a few months since we've actually talked on screen so i'm sure there's a little bit of like hey how was your summer you know stuff like that sure yeah hey alex how was your summer <laughs> are we are we gonna make jim mad if we do probably hey, how are <laughs> probably I, I mean we're we're two minutes into the broadcast here and we haven't gotten any policy discussion so yeah um, jim's already livid yeah we'll hear about it in the board meeting it's okay but I, I I had a good summer. I, I kept busy all summer. I you know there there wasn't a lot going on legislatively, um, which unfortunately means there's a few things that that I missed, um, things that happened, um, and Indiana being one of them. Uh, I knew I, I or I'm sorry Illinois Illinois uh, enacted a indoor smoke free air law. Um, there was a an announcement about that with some really horrible quotes. Um, no one in opposition was quoted in this article. Um, and I, this, I think, kind of snuck up on us, um, and uh, you know, and it's Illinois, so uh, not so sure what could have been done. But Illinois has officially banned uh, vaping indoors, just like smoking. Uh, and I'm looking at the article to see when that takes effect. Um, I don't know if that was immediately or if it happened recently. Uh, it could be at the beginning of the year. Who knows? uh someone knows it's out there and i just didn't do the research so um <clears throat> sorry about illinois but i it's been our experience that even our members don't get all that bent out of shape about an indoor vaping ban so um and it's something we all know is that um people get around it anyway because you can vape discreetly it's not it's not a cigarette so yeah you know what term i haven't heard in a long time is stealth vaping yeah stealth vaping was like this big thing at one point well i mean we made a conscious decision to not use that word because it sounds like you're it sounds sort of like we're encouraging people to yeah. break stealth the rules vaping. but the reality is that you can use these products discreetly yeah. uh, which is just a fact and so um it's 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 really it's good advice for anybody no matter where you are 
uh, if you're in a place where you don't know what the policy is, um, if you don't want to ask and be told no, then usually people just vape discreetly. And, sure. uh, and, and no one, no one is bothered because, you know, it's, it's not smoking. Um, and it actually smells kind of pleasant. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I did things over the summer, kept active, kept my brain active. Uh, I was in, uh, I was in a play actually. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and you also, uh, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention, I don't know. I'm not gonna like, like blow up your spot here or anything, but everybody out there, Alex is quite the talented artist. <laughs> um, I follow, I follow you, uh, on your social media with your art and stuff. And every time I'm, I'm just like doom scrolling and I'll see like your art has a certain flavor to it and it'll stop me. I'll be like, Oh, that's Alex. Like, <laughs> Nice. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. I've got a couple yeah, I do, man. I do. here. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, actually, so this one, this one is from an old, I think Salem ad. And uh, it's, I'm not going to zoom in on it, but it's a guy helping a rocket ship. Actually, it's a boat. It's a, it's a cruise ship out of the water. It's where, it's where rocket boats are born. Rocket boats. Yeah. And that's from an old Newport or Dude, either Newport yeah, or, are, or Salem. I can't remember. You are quite the artsy fellow there, sir. I enjoy it. So yeah, yeah I had a pop-up cool. show at the beginning of August and then the play was in August. And then as, not, as soon as I was done with the, the play, there was the FDA listening session. Uh, and that was, it was kind of good to have all of that sort of like very public stuff going on. And then four minutes in front of the FDA, um, I actually feel like it went well. Um, and I got the last word too. I was the last one to speak on the day. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit as well. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I also, how was your summer? Uh, dirty. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I kind of took, uh, I don't know, like an unpaid promotion this year, uh, for folks who don't know, I'm a landscaper. Um, but I really got to kind of, I guess, be artistic more so this year with that, um, and take charge on a lot of our, our new smaller installs and things like that. So I've been extra busy um getting kind of my hand into some of the design uh for people and um you know just kind of expanding i guess what i what i do um other than that though really um i've been doing a lot more like streaming on twitch and things like that um so that was good the kids had a great summer we just recently went camping up in ontario we went up to to henderson um, Ray's Bay, which is kind of the, uh, the Eastern side of Ontario, Lake Ontario. Um, beautiful, spent a whole weekend up there right on the lake. Um, it was fantastic. And then, yeah, you know, kids just started school. So I'm sure everybody's feeling that, you know, we, I feel like the Northeast, we start so much later than a lot of other areas do. Um, and I know that's like seasonal and whatever, um, for people, but, yeah. So it's just been, it's just been crazy. It's just been busy. Um, but like good busy, you know what I mean? Not like the kind of busy where you just want to rip your hair out, but like right. good busy. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, you know, just, just working, just working along. Nice. Well, we'll for sure probably get back to the rip your hair out busy in January and February. Once uh, state legislatures come back into session, there's a few that are, are still, uh up and running and we've got a Kristen. 
maybe almost we ha- we have the screen of a Kristen. There, there we, there we have a Kristen. There I don't we know go. what is going on with this thing. It oh vexed you. Can you hear me okay? We yep. can. Can you hear Sorry. us? Sorry. Yes, I was vexed. We did, we'll <laughs> just do some some live audio checks and I am Yeah, no, some... you sound great. You sound great. Welcome. Alex and I just did a <laughs> Welcome to Casaw Live, Kristen. Yeah, um, I was Alex listening I just on, the, a... on my phone because I couldn't get on my uh, computer, and now I'm I have no sound, so uh, <laughs> I'm, or, I can hear you, but you're really, really, really quiet. So I'm going to try to figure out what that is, but um, I'm not. Sorry, I have this all set up. Well, we'll try to keep things going here, and then all of a sudden, we'll we'll try to keep things going while you work out some volume issues. Um, and uh, of course I, you don't need to hear us to, to say, how was your summer, Kristen? I can barely hear you. Um, <laughs> it was, it was good. Uh, it's been a little crazy and we had a lot of fun. We did some camping and, um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Antiquing, hitting the, uh, thrift shops. One of my favorite things to do. Got some cool stuff this year and, uh, yeah. Just, just kind of a nice chill summer. We've got one more weekend. We're going to go camping in mid October. That'll be the last one of the uh, of the year, and then um, then we have to drag everything back out again. The setup and the takedown is like the hard part, especially getting it in and out of our yard. <laughs> sure, yeah, that is a trick. Hi, everybody in chat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to wait. I figured cool. the grassroots AF banner was really appropriate for this moment. So, good timing. Yeah, I just <laughs> I thought that was good. But yeah, uh, Alex, if you want to get this uh, this summer recap discussion train yeah. rolling, you've got the floor. Yeah, so I, I just picked out a few stories that have popped up and, and some Kristen gathered this for us in a doc before we came together. And I got a couple that... Um, uh, didn't we didn't uh, have on the thing, but I uh, poking around on this. Um, the first thing that I came to was uh, this this gem um, that uh, the American the AVM uh, posted on Twitter uh, yesterday. Actually, uh, 22nd Century Group, everybody's favorite unfun cigarette company, um, is uh, kind of in the toilet. Um, they have other things going on other than reduced fun cigarettes, uh, but uh, their stock is uh, in the toilet even after a reverse stock split, um, which is they had to buy back outstanding shares. It was one for 15 uh, and um, just to remain in compliance with the NASDAQ. Uh, and they're still, you know, pushing below a dollar here. Um, so uh, and this is. 22nd century, if you if you follow the market at all and or on, on Twitter, you'll see that the sort of Wall Street bros that'll post a tweet up every now and then, um, you know, about some uh, announcement out of 22nd century. Um, and uh, let's see if I can get there. No, 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 I wasn't able to do. 
Oh, I got to bring it back up. That's what I got to do. Um, it, it's kind of a pump and dump kind of stock, right? Like it's been below $4 for as long as I've been tracking it. With the reverse stock split, it actually looks like at some point it hit $90. It never, no, it did not. Um, that's just things being adjusted for math purposes. Um, but as it turns out, and as everybody suspected, uh, it doesn't sound like their reduced nicotine cigarettes are selling all that well. Um, but their stock still moves on news like uh, recently um, they announced that they secured some deal to uh, uh, sell in unironically um, a, uh, a, a convenience store in Montana called the Town Pump. Uh, and that is this little number. This is a weekly chart. Um, so this green bar right here is on the seventh that's the week of the 17th this was the announcement that they secured this like midwestern distribution this is the market and, and traders reacting you can see this huge volume bar here it's like the most volume ever traded on on this stock for a couple of years at least and then quickly back down into the toilet because nobody likes very low nicotine cigarettes <laughs> uh and all of this sort of accompanied with um you know, other announcements on their website. I think um, this is all just so disingenuous. And, and I, I, I can't believe, and it's not that I can't believe, it's just that they're sort of, I can't find the page on my list of things here. Oh, here we go. Um, this was an announcement uh, about the, uh, the Montana convenience store. And this statement here about how they're selling their cigarettes and 80 town pump convenience stores, <clears throat> this will provide an effective solution for adult smokers willing to break the chains of nicotine addiction. I don't know, I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like a therapeutic claim. Um, it's not a modified risk claim, it's a therapeutic claim. And this is stuff like even, I mean, FDA, when they got their MRTP, FDA got behind it and required them to say something like this can help reduce the amount of nicotine you consume, which is really just towing the line of therapeutic claim. Uh, and this is for a combustible cigarette. So if anybody needs kind of like, uh, you know, an example of how twisted all of the regulation is and how FDA is handling the situation, 22nd century is probably the best example of that. And of course, the sort of imminent failure of this product. The other thing that's really kind of funny is that on their um, home screen, if I can do this without um, screwing it up, which I doubt I can, uh, on their home screen, they, have, they actually have a countdown clock to New Zealand implementing their uh, nicotine reduction policy. So in one year, six months, and 22 days, um, I don't know if you want to play the market. Really, <laughs> really banking on New Zealand to save century. the day here. What's that? They're really banking on New Zealand to, to save the day here. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing has been all about FDA, you know, finalizing a reduced nicotine content rule. And now, you know, New Zealand, um, I, I don't actually know what kind of presence that they're excited about there something um but you know the other side of this is is that 
you know, 22nd century sort of position themselves from a narrative perspective as the company that's going to benefit the most from reduced nicotine cigarettes. But it's, this is not new. This this is the tobacco companies have been reducing nicotine content in cigarettes since the fifties or forties, even, uh, I think it was the fifties and sixties when there was sort of that reducing nicotine, reducing tar, and they were, you know, marketing their marketing statements about how they were safer now because they don't have as much nicotine and tar. And uh, that, of course, was put to an end at some point because those are modified risk or therapeutic claims. Uh, and um, but it's it, this is technology or or a process that tobacco companies have in their portfolio. And if they thought it was going to make them money, they would sell reduced nicotine cigarettes. Um, but it, it's. 22nd century does not have a corner on the market. Um, so uh, anyway, that's that's some hilarious stuff. And if you haven't checked out the thread uh, from AVM, go check it out. It's uh, insightful with teeth as usual. Um, yeah. Always good threads from AVM. Um, so that was uh, 22nd century. And also sort of in, in keeping with this theme of uh, FDA rules and stuff, like I mentioned, we participated in the, the listening session that was back in August. Um, uh, it was, I think the the sort of <clears throat> critics, FDA critics to FDA supporters was like five to one. Uh, we vastly outnumbered any of the usual groups. Um, you, I mean, you had your, your usual suspects of truth. And I think, I don't know if campaign for tobacco free kids had somebody speak. Um, there were some of the body parts groups spoke and, you know, just the standard kind of like take care of this, ban flavors, do that. Nothing new from their camp. Um, but uh, there were a lot of folks that were representing. Uh, there were law enforcement. There were um, people from uh, you know black community speaking up and urging the FDA to reconsider a ban on menthol. Uh, and of course, uh, we also had in July this letter from some Republican members of Congress uh, warning against uh, banning menthol and what may happen with Mexican cartels. Um, as far as I know, this is probably, this is already happening. We have, you know, uh, New York, I'm sorry, California, Massachusetts. Um, I think, I don't know, did New Jersey fin- finalize a menthol ban yet? Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's likely already happening. I, don't, I can't remember if there have already been reports about this, um, certainly in California. Um, but it, it's, it's already shifting to organized crime and the cartels supplying the demand, which doesn't go away just because you wave a pencil and ban menthol. Um, and so um, the other part of this, though, and, and the fact that this is a partisan letter, and I just kind of want to, you know, there's, there's, I guess, a need to kind of measure the, the statements here. Um, the Republicans seem wedded to this idea that they're going to defeat the Democrats in 2024 with this narrative that Joe Biden's open border policy is allowing all the Mexican cartels to do all this blah, blah, blah. There's another dangerous narrative out there that Republicans are glomming onto, which is fentanyl coming from China. This is another, it's all Joe Biden's fault, fentanyl. It, Magically, fentanyl just appeared on our shores. It hasn't been here since the mid 2000s. Um, uh, and uh, so it's all Joe Biden's fault. Um, but it's it's a narrative that we've seen at least one tobacco company 
uh, kind of latched themselves to and uh, promoting this idea that Chinese made vapor products, closed system products are coming into the United States and they may be laced with fentanyl. Um, I, I, I think there may have been reports about this, but it's not a widespread issue. Um, and I, I know that we've talked about this before. I, I know I think Brian Marino had a thread about this on Twitter. There's always that possibility that vaping fentanyl is a form of harm reduction. The dose is more manageable. You don't have to deal with an injection drug. Uh, and so there are actually potentially harm reduction avenues that anybody in the, in the drug harm reduction world should probably be paying attention to. And it would be a shame if a, a tobacco company stepped all over that potentially very promising innovation uh, in, in saving lives. So bringing that up mainly because those are part of the, the those are two narratives that while there is some truth and concern, at least to the, the cartels getting involved in selling menthol cigarettes and flavored vapor products, um, it is largely partisan. Um, all of that to say, uh, you know, certainly more work needs to be done to clarify this issue and take it out of the polarized political discussion that we find ourselves in all of the time. So uh, I'm, I'm glossing over stuff because you guys have stuff to talk about. <laughs> okay. Well, I've, I've got one here. Uh, and thank you, Kristen. I was I was really busy when it came to kind of figuring out uh, what we were going to talk about today. And, and Kristen took the time to really compile a list and highlighted a few things that she thought I'd, I'd be able to speak to. So thank you. Um, and I can, and this ties kind of right into that. So I'm going to um, do a little bit of live magic right here. Uh, the National Coalition of Justice Practitioners uh, Unite Against the FDA uh, proposed ban on menthol cigarettes, um, which, uh, like you had discussed, uh, Alex, um, Black and Hispanic law enforcement executives and experts, um, really the big thing here is, is, you know, um, inequity. It's, it's, this is, this comes down to, um, you know, black and Latino and Hispanic communities using, uh, menthol cigarettes or smoking menthol cigarettes at higher rates than white communities do. And this ban affecting them disproportionately. Um, and so, I mean, this is one of many groups that have been outspoken against this. Um, and I don't really have a whole lot to add, really, to be honest with you. Um, I'll share this article right in uh, in the chat. Um, but three unintended consequences, which we've discussed at nauseum about this menthol ban. Anything you ban becomes illegal, and it's a policing issue. Uh, enforcement of the menthol ban will be uh, more urban and Latino communities and used as a tool in racial profiling, stop and frisk and arrests. And the police do not need another reason to stop and frisk that leads to life threatening casualties in the black community. Um, and if you really want our position, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to drop this article here for people. Uh, if I can figure out how to. <laughs> do things like copy and paste i'll add the links to the uh, description later on too but for folks who are here right now if i can i'm gonna throw that right into the chat um 
for folks on YouTube or Facebook watching. I don't know what my computer is trying to do right now. Um, but yeah, it's, we've been over this at nauseum. Kassaz also put out an official uh, statement about the menthol ban. We put it out in May of 2021. Uh, so it's been around for a long time. You can find that on our site as well as, um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess I can read this from our actual release, uh, which really just kind of sums up a lot of things. Kasa acknowledges that consumer demand for menthol is primarily dri- driven by marketing practices spanning decades and targeting some communities more than others. Specifically, tobacco companies have marketed aggressively to black, LGBTQ, and low-income communities, even in the face of research showing that these groups are disproportionately more likely to experience negative consequences of smoking due to pre-existing health inequities such as limited access to health care, including systemic prejudice within the healthcare system, absolutely, and race and class motivated city planning and zoning laws. While there are notable benefits from removing menthol and other flavors from combustible tobacco, such as some people who smoke menthol cigarettes may quit tobacco and nicotine use altogether, a ban does not eliminate consumer demand and it cannot protect consumers from informal sellers and counterfeit products, pressuring people to purchase goods in an underground market it actually exposes consumers to greater immediate risk. And I could not literally say that any better than we did. Um, and I've got the wrong <laughs> to do it. I totally, it's been so long, you guys cut me a break here. Um, but yeah, like it's, this is just something that we've discussed at nauseum. It's a horrible idea. Uh, it's going to lead, you know, down the exact same road as any other prohibition is led down. Uh, it's it's more policing. It's more immediate concerns. And, you know, we've talked up and down about um, the risks in just, you know, the illicit market across the board, who you're buying from, what you're buying, uh, the situations you're going to be putting yourself in. Um, and FDA, you know, has this kind of hands off deal where, you know, we're not going to you know, go out and arrest people who are smoking menthol cigarettes, but the demand remains, the supply has to come from somewhere and it still puts people at risk, um, at the end of the day. Um, and again, disproportionately, um, you know, black communities, um, LGBTQ communities and the such. So I'm going to share this as well, just to kind of expand off of what Alex was just talking about, um, while you're bringing that up, one of the other things that happened this summer was that Truth Initiative put out their statement and how that the menthol ban was going to help with all these health inequities because the menthol is what caused all these inequities. I mean, it, that's essentially what they were suggesting, yeah. you know. They and, just whitewashed it is all they did. It's it's yeah. a white savior complex whitewashing <laughs> is exactly all that is. And it's it's just it's just gross as most things are from them. Well, we tweeted, I mean, they put all these stats out. Oh, they're, you know, they have health inequities. You know, these certain groups have, you know, health inequities and they have these different issues. And I went and I linked in our tweet about it to the CDC that has a whole page on health inequities, which were all listed there. And not once did that page mention menthol. So those things existed already without the menthol. That's the thing that I thought was crazy. And it was, they were like trying to make it like it was all about the menthol, you know? Yeah, and that's why, I mean, in that statement, we were very deliberate in including kind of the range of, of, of causes of, of the health inequities, including city planning and zoning ordinances, yeah. which put, you know, communities of color and other, you know, low income communities 
they're the people who end up with, you know, toxic, heavy industrial stuff in their backyard. Yeah. Or, you know, they're on the part of town where like the, you know, water cleanup effort isn't hasn't quite reached them yet. Their streets haven't been redesigned. There aren't enough trees. They're food deserts. All of these things have their roots in America's, you know, horrible legacy of, of racism and discrimination. Yeah. And those are things, I mean, yes, cigarettes are not great for our health. That's why we're all here. But there are underlying factors that are human caused that banning menthol isn't going to address any aspect of those no not at all and, have, and here's one thing too have either one of you have ever have you ever seen a study that shows that these groups prefer menthol or you know smoke because of the menthol versus menthol is just their preference in smoking i've never seen a study where they try to determine how menthol got so ingrained in these groups because don't tell me it's just because they advertise menthol companies don't just randomly pick something and say oh we're going to target this group with this particular thing that we have no they say whoa all these more people are buying menthol in this area so now we're going to just heavily advertise there so i feel like it's the menthol they already lean towards menthol but they were already going to smoke and so this whole idea that they wouldn't smoke if they didn't have the menthol show me the study the FDA I, wants us to have all these studies about vaping. Show me the study that shows that menthol has anything to do with them smoking. You know, I haven't seen one. I, I think it's, uh, I, I, this is kind of like a language, like they, they sort of shift back and forth from talking about, you know, uh, people being victims of tobacco company marketing. And, and then they also use the word prefer. So that, you know, the flavor is something that, People, a lot of people, I smoked menthols for a long time and I can, you know, as someone who used to smoke menthols, I can kind of buy into the, 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 the narrative that, you know, because the flavor, because of the menthol flavor, because it is pleasurable, more pleasurable to me than smoking a regular cigarette, that like my motivation to quit was affected by that, that, you know, I didn't get the displeasure of smoking a regular cigarette and, you know, instead was able to offset some of that with with the taste of menthol. So I smoked for longer. I mean, I, I can see that being plausible. And so I don't want to I'm not going to dismiss that outright. But, you know, I I think what it, it's it's sort of what I think I heard you say, which is that, you know, they put the product out there because you have fun. It's menthol. And then they discovered that certain communities were buying them more. And so they focused their marketing to sell more cigarettes. And, you know, that's, that's standard. Yeah. Why would, yeah. why would any company pump more money into their advertising in that area, in areas where those products aren't selling? Yeah, they I mean, you, you may at first, you may try that. Okay. Maybe yeah. we need to up our marketing here to sell this product. But after a certain amount of time, you're going to continue, you're going to shift that funding over to where those products are already selling well to continue to increase market sales there like that's comparing comparing to like between cools and newports you were trying to increase steal the newport people from the cool people or whatever you know cool people or whatever like that so i mean and alex the funny thing is is you say that but if i had been forced to smoke menthol i probably never would have smoked because i think it's disgusting <laughs> so i mean it's well, all no, I mean, I, place, I, right and, actually, and i've shared this before actually when i was when i was a kid when i was in in junior high and started smoking cigarettes 
uh, we could walk off campus to go to uh, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a little grocery neighborhood grocery. Uh, and it turned out the guy was kind of creepy. But I bought <laughs> I bought Marlboro menthols because I knew that no one would want to bum them from me. <laughs> See, that was my strategy. So just, I, I didn't start gross. smoking menthols because I thought they were delicious. <laughs> I just knew that I would be right. able to save money because I wasn't going to be giving them away. Right. I still want to see that study that shows that proves anything that people it's like, you know, kids vape for the flavors. It's just as ridiculous right. that that these groups smoke for the menthol. You know? yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, though, this this menthol ban uh, is is just another drug war policy. It's just going to give police uh, incentives to, um, again, stop, frisk, arrest um, and potentially threaten or kill uh, people in communities that are already under threat and over policed. Um, this is, this is just another, you know, another part of the drug war and it's, it's unnecessary. It's not needed in any shape or form, yeah. uh, regardless of whether you think yeah. menthol is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you know, prohibition just, uh, is never, is never the answer here. Um, and the cops know, don't giving, even want it. So yeah, no. and and again, yeah, yeah, the cops. There, I mean, there are numerous law enforcement agencies besides just this one that have spoken out against this policy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's, and all of that, and good. they're 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 continuing. I mean, we're going to see um, you know more releases, more more headlines about FDA getting closer to finalizing the rule. I think they were supposed to, I can't remember the date, but they were supposed to have it finalized at least, I think, soon, um, September or October of this year. That was their promise. So um, it, it keeps sounding like they're going to go forward with it, uh, and then it'll probably be tied up. Uh, the estimate, I think, was a couple of years in court uh, before it finally gets implemented. Um, so it, it's it's just one of those things, like unless some sort of earth shattering, highly credible bit of research, which I'm sure there's already tons of credible research saying sure. why this is a bad idea. Um, but unless there's something that really grabs, I don't know, executives at NBC's uh, eye or something like that, uh, I, I don't know that this is going to be successfully yeah. thwarted. I mean, we have literally over 50 years of failed drug war statistics. Right? That can be yeah, but those applied. are. <laughs> yeah. Those are different it's, drugs. Those are the bad oh right, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Somehow it's different. Just like yeah. you know, Sweden's different and England's different. And <laughs> it is. All right, I mean, sorry. we digress on Logan. He's know. got another story he wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Cocaine and heroin belong in this group together because you know those are hard drugs. <laughs> Nicotine's over right. there. Menthol. This these these can be over here. Yeah, it's it's just it's shameful. It's ridiculous. Um, it's just, you know. It's just okay. awful. So we can move on from there. But uh, I wanted to throw that one in just because, you know, it, it tied right into what Alex was talking about. Definitely. So. That was good. Good segue. <laughs> I try. My wife's on a big kick right now because she just learned that the guy who invented the segue died on a segue. And so this is like her fun fact that she tells everyone <laughs> like immediately <laughs> for like the past week. Your wife sounds like my husband. He loves to have useless information that nobody yeah, knows. Yeah, for anybody who didn't know that, the guy who invented the Segway died on the Segway. He went off a cliff. Ouch. Oh yeah. No, yeah, ouch. For sure he died. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, not good. Not good. Anyways, Kristen. Don't, didn't you have one more story? 
I do. I do. I didn't know if we were yeah. taking turns, if this was like yeah, take turns ahead. story time. Because I got to pull up my little slideshow and I don't want to do that more than once. Okay. So the <laughs> other, the other article that Kristen highlighted for me, uh, we will, I'll go ahead and see if I can share the right screen this time. See if I can be a, a proper live streamer here on Casa. There we go. Uh, why some Minnesota treatment centers are going commercial tobacco free to improve health. Um, so Alex and I had a really good discussion about this article. Unfortunately, Kristen, your computer was vexing you at the time. So I wasn't able to pick your brain about it. And I wasn't sure if you had read this in the, with the intention of giving this story to me, uh, thinking this was something similar to Philadelphia's ban in treatment centers. Well, weren't they trying, we talked about it, I think in the, uh, so, the chat, the Skype chat, when it first came out and remember I asked, wasn't it Philadelphia who reversed it? And now here's, they Minnesota did. So Philadelphia, uh, a number, I want to say it was 2018, uh, or 2019 had banned smoking in, um, substance use treatment facilities, um, for lack of a better term, rehab centers. Uh, and it failed miserably. Uh, it prevented people, it de-incentivized people from going to uh, treatment to begin with. Uh, it increased dropout rates. Uh, it was just, it was an abysmal failure. Um, but this article here, uh, which um, Kristen's going to share all the links to these in the description. I'm not going to keep trying to copy and paste because apparently I'm, I'm tech illiterate today. Um, but why some Minnesota treatment centers are going commercial tobacco free to improve health. This headline, I feel like is kind of misleading to what the rest of the article says. Uh, really this article, um, it does talk about, um, uh, black indigenous communities along with members of the LGBTQ community and individuals with mental health or substance use disorder continue to be disproportionately impacted by the deadly harms of commercial. It should be really ultimately smoking. Um, while this is true, uh, smoking is the leading cause of early death for individuals with mental illness. Um, only 40% of Minnesota's mental health treatment facilities and 31% of substance use disorder treatment programs offer tobacco treatment. Um, approximately 25% of adults in the U.S. have a mental health condition or substance use disorder, yet this population consumes 40% of all cigarettes sold. We've discussed this um, quite a bit in the past as well. Um, you know, people who um, suffer from serious mental illness uh, smoke. Uh, at disproportionately higher rates than other communities do. Um, this, this article really ultimately is talking about, um, you know, promoting abstinence uh, is, is part of this, but they are talking about working to increase the number of mental health and substance use disorder programs that offer tobacco treatment. And I guess, have tobacco free grounds. I guess this is where uh, <laughs> this, this one tiny little line in here, um, that have tobacco free grounds, but otherwise really, if, if this, if this doesn't happen right here, which is what failed miserably in Philadelphia, um, because this is just, it's, it's just, it just dis, dis, disincentive, disincentivizes disinc I can't word, I can't words. There we go. Thank you. Um, people from getting into treatment or staying in treatment altogether. The rest of this is is really discussing the addition of offering treatment alongside other substance use, which I don't see any issue with. If if an individual is already um, seeking treatment for substance use, um, and alongside that they also want to 
receive help or treatment and quitting smoking. Um, that's a tool in the toolbox for people. And I'm all for that. As long as it's not coercive, as long as, yeah, as long as people are not being forced to quit smoking alongside the other challenges that they're trying to overcome. Uh, that's a positive thing. That's a good thing. Um, you know, if, if these options are made available to people already there, that's a fantastic thing. Um, I would love to see harm reduction, uh, encouraged alongside that, you know, alongside treatment options. Here's all of the options. Here's all the tools in the toolbox. Uh, what can we do to help you? Like what, what's your goals? What are you trying to achieve here? And how can we do that? That's, that's a good thing. Um, if this goes down the road of Philadelphia, uh, it's just going to fail. It's going to be horrible. Um, and it's not going to help people. It may help some, but it's not going to help the overwhelming majority. Again, Philadelphia is the prime example of this. Um, but for the most part, this, this really talks about, um, you know, uh, a bill passed earlier this year that expands the type of providers that can be reimbursed for, uh, providing tobacco treatment to people with Medicaid, um, new tobacco treatment specialists in different organizations that were trained, um, Again, I, I I can't say this enough. If it's if it's a ban on grounds, it's going to fail. It's not going to help people. If this ultimately comes down to providing additional options for individuals, then it will succeed. And that's that. I guess that's really um, you know my biggest point here is you know we constantly talk about tools in the toolbox for people. And this would be one of those tools in the toolbox. My I, problem, I, can I just say, I think I'm reading more between the lines on that than maybe you have been. And in my, as I read that, I thought, okay, there's funding. Funding is going to be available to get people to quit smoking. Now they're going to want that funding. Now they're going to want more people to quit smoking. So there's going to be the added pressure to get these people to also quit smoking. And I can see if they're not careful that the motivation is going to be there for them to have rules like, well, if you're going to be in a treatment center, you also have to go through tobacco cessation therapy, whether you want to, you know, things like that. So they're going to offer it. It's going to be something they're offering, but we just know how these people, how their brains work. And they're like, Oh, well, they're not going to do it voluntarily. And we get funding if they do it. So (laughs) we're going to have to maybe make it, a stipulation on getting their services now that they have to quit before they get in, which is ultimately what failed in, in Philly, but also force them that, no, you can't even be on nicotine at all. You can't vape even, you know? So again, that's the part that kind of makes me go. "Mm." So I've got a couple things to add there. I, I, I went through drug and alcohol treatment about 15 years ago and where I went, the smoking was allowed. So this is the mid two thousands. And, um, uh, they offered kind of like a 12 step version of nicotine cessation. And so you could go to a nicotine anonymous meeting. Uh, but you, I don't remember ever being offered nicotine gum, uh, or any NRT and the pro- they actually, they took my antacids away when I checked in because wow. they, there were issues where you know, I guess you have people coming in with body image issues. Uh, also the idea that I may start abusing antacids because I needed to like fill an empty hole where the drugs were kind of huh. thing. I, I'm not totally clear on the rationale, but um, I, I, yeah, so that was that. Um, 
And so even if, if treatment facilities are not offering nicotine replacement therapy because of fears of uh, somehow supporting drug-seeking behavior, um, again, it's been 15 years, so I, I hope that things have changed in treatment treatment facilities. Um, it, it's, it's hard to imagine them being open to providing things like bottles of e-liquid. Uh, but there was a person sure. who, who was doing that. Father Jack Carney was, was oh, uh, yeah, involved in getting used or, or sort of uh, overstocked uh, vape products to people yeah. in treatment facilities He's in California. Awesome. Um, and I think, I, I hope he had some success with that. Um, but uh, Father Jack is no longer with us, so I, we yeah. can't ask him in person, unfortunately. Um, but he kept that going for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is all about, you know, when, when someone gets to the point where they're checking themselves into a treatment facility, their life is in danger. And the right. priority is let's take care of the things that are immediately putting your life in danger, which is going to be, be alcohol and other <laughs> drugs. Uh, right. And so the, the focus is on that. And it, cigarettes, you know, take decades to really kill you. Um, so it, it's sort of like, I know that there's research out there. I don't have anything on the tip of my fingers, but when people make some sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of health positive choice to improve their health and they accomplish that, that little goal, like whatever it is, it's just like, you know, like, okay, I want to stop having heartburn. I'm going to change my diet, you know, or I'm going to exercise a little bit more or something like that. They start to see other opportunities to change and they start making other healthy choices. And so I don't know that anybody's ever looked at the vaping community and, and done research on, I, I feel like I have seen this somewhere though, Kristen, you would probably know um, that, you know, when somebody switches from smoking to vaping, they're more likely to start adopting other healthy behaviors. They're more likely I, to start exercising. We've seen people, I've, I've done it too. We've seen people, I did this out of rehab. I came out of rehab, still smoking cigarettes. I was down to a pack a day and I doing everything in, in for alcohol <laughs> and cocaine to I'll what, how can I address my, my addiction to cigarettes? And it took a long time, but you know, if e-cigarettes had been around in 2007, 2008, the kind that actually worked, and if I had had a different, a different view of the products than I did in 2008, I would have switched sooner. But I used nicotine gum. I actually used snooze for a little while. I, I kept on that program, and I've told my story about nicotine replacement several times. But the point is that when people do make some sort of positive health choice in their life, they're more likely to start doing more. And really, if you want people to follow that path, it doesn't pressure, coercion, all those things. That's not what people need. I don't need to be confronted with a brick wall every time I maybe kind of step out of line. I need encouragement. I need support. And like you said, Logan and Kristen, and, and all of us have, have, have agreed on this, as long as it's presented as an option that people can choose to do, I think the outcomes are going to be much better. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's really what I wanted to highlight out of this is if this, if this is a, a you know, a, a ban on the ground, if this is coercive, if, if, if it's something along those lines, um, it's just going to fail, you know, when you, when you take that away from people, I know, you know, personally, and I've discussed this, uh, in dealing with, um, you know, quitting meth, 
cigarettes were my fallback. If it wasn't for cigarettes, man, I don't know what I would have done. If I had tried quitting cigarettes at the same time, you know, we might not be here having this conversation right now. So if this is presented again as an option to people, as a tool in the toolbox um, for people already seeking help and, and maybe you know, they, they want to continue down that and, and move. Okay. I've, I've done this. I've accomplished this goal. And now I want to seek help getting this, you know, accomplishing this goal. I'm all for that. That's that's, sh- that should be a no brainer for everybody here that that's a positive thing for people. Right. Um, but yeah, like Kristen said, if it's, if it's a money motivated situation to force people to quit smoking alongside tackling all of these massive challenges in their life, that's a bad thing. That's uh, that's just a bad thing. And so. we've just seen that so much before. Just immediately, yeah. my little antennas went up and went, "Oh, they're going to get funding for doing this." Yeah. So I think I think this is just something <laughs> you know we'll we'll try to keep an eye on um, right. as far as Minnesota's treatment centers go, and what they're going to end up doing uh, in the long run. Hopefully, this is a tool in the toolbox and not a um, you know, not a hammer. So Mark is saying there's a recent. S- study on this. Mark, you're going to have to give us some more, uh, some more details. Paint with a broad brush there, Mark. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so Kristen, we've got about 10 minutes. I left, know that's I why, sure that's you, why you I want to get into, that's why I want to get into mine here. Um, I'm just going to do a real quick, uh, recap of some of the highlights of, um, the studies that came out over the summer. There was a few good ones, and I I didn't have time to do all of them. I knew I wasn't going to have time to do all of them, but um, yeah. But you came with slides, so kudos. <laughs> I threw those together this morning. Uh, the first one it came out of Canada, and this is it says among individuals attempting. I'm going to give you guys all links to this. Among individuals attempting to quit smoking, nicotine e-cigarettes are more efficacious. Efficacious, yeah. They did it. I got I can't it. They de-incentivized, but I can uh, say it. Then, um, so they basically they're more effective than conventional nicotine replacement or behavioral smoking cessation therapies, and may prove beneficial in reducing smoking-related health risks. So that was awesome. Got another one. You know, just add it to the pile, but they're ignoring. Um, uh, another one that came out was uh, helping pregnant smokers quit. This one found that in pregnant smokers seeking help compared to nicotine patches, e-cigarettes are probably more effective and do not pose more risk to birth outcomes assessed in this study and may reduce the incidence of low birth weight. So there's the whole thing. I mean, if it's not going to, if it doesn't, it barely affects a pregnant woman and a ba- fetus. I mean, come on, people. But, you know, <laughs> teens, flavors. Um, another one was, this one was a pretty, a really good one. Why is that staying on there? We've got a different slide if you're not looking at a different one. Yeah. I just don't know why the, oops, that's not what I want to do. Why is the slide thing showing? Are you still seeing slide two below it or do you see it just the slide? Am I just seeing the slide thing? The arrow? I see oh, no, we, we have the slide up. Uh, no, I mean the arrow is showing. That I must just be on mine for tool. Okay. It's yes. blocking part of what I want to read. Um, okay. So the, another one, good one was the effect of unguided e-cigarette provision on uptake use and smoking, blah, blah, blah. Really hard to understand. This one came out of the United States. It was published in a sort of a sub journal of the Lancet. And it says unguided e-cigarette use also leads to smoking cessation. Even people, and I, ent- I added this little part here, even people who had entered the trial saying they had no intention of quitting, uh, allaying the notion that 
uh, causal, ca causal effects of e-cigarettes on cessation are not reflective of real-world scenario of self-determined use. <laughs> okay, all that basically comes to comes to mean that um, a lot of the anti-vaping people are saying, well, you know, yeah, maybe they're doing better, you know, people who want to quit smoking under clinical trials, you know, because they're already motivated to quit smoking and they're under these strict guidances and with this you know and then that's why that's why the e-cigarettes are doing better than other stuff that so that's so they're kind of backtracking because for a long time they just said uh, it doesn't help and now all the stuff is coming out saying yeah it does help um well you need clinical trials well here's some clinical trials that show it does help well you know clinical trials aren't real life <laughs> you know it's like they're doing everything so what this one showed was basically they just handed them e-cigs and said you can use them you don't have to use them whatever you want to do and even doing it that way, and then went, sent them out into the world, and people were still using and quit smoking. A lot of us call those accidental quitting, uh, stuff like that. So basically, it said, yeah, you guys, we're, we're busting you on that one, too. It, it doesn't matter if it's in a clinical trial. In the real world, they're still doing better. They're still quitting smoking, even if they had no intention of quitting smoking. So that was a really powerful one, I thought. Uh, we need a lot more like that. And then below that one is uh, e-cigarette support for smoking cessation, uh, identifying the effectiveness of intervention components in an online randomized. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this one <laughs> found they looked at um, the key thing takeaway of this one, which I underlined with tailored advice on flavor, is that text messaging. And this one came out of the UK. Is text messaging support um, to quit smoking? You know, some programs like that. They did okay, but when they got help. And advice with e-cigs on flavors, you know, go ahead, get a flavor, try this flavor, do a different flavor. They found that it was a lot more successful. And again, of course, this is with adults. So of course, adults like flavors. Hello. Um, so that was that one. So some, some good stuff came out over the summer. A lot of this stuff is on our blog, uh, if you guys want to see that. So now uh, the bad. Um, okay, so this is really the bad, but... It also has spin. Every single bad study, you guys need to remember this, is every big single, well, just about every single bad study that comes out, you can dig into it and find how they're spinning it so they don't tell you how e-cigs were actually better. Um, in this one, they decided that, or they said they found that um, uh, cross, okay, arteriosclerosis, thrombosis, and vascular biology. So basically how it affects the heart and stuff like that, that e-cig users, you know, had increased risk of these things, um, as did smoking. Uh, and that's what all the headlines said. E-cigs can affect the heart. E-cig, you know, that's what all came out when you read the headlines. But when you go and you dig into the actual study, you know, because the headlines were all, there's more harm from vaping. Here you go, more harm. Well, it even says in the quote above there is where it says that, um, okay, there was less alterations were detected in the blood from e-cigarette users. Future studies are necessary to determine whether these findings are attributable to a residual effect of prior smoking or direct effect of current e-cig use. So that right there are keywords saying they didn't really split up the dual users from the exclusive e-cigarette users because there's they're saying there must there might have been residual or or they'd had no idea how long it was before that they had smoked before so it could be that all these things that they're seeing this increased risk came from the fact that they smoked for 40 years before they switched to vaping they don't know 
of course, all the headlines said vaping causes this, you know, um, but they also did find in there, which was downplayed that those who switched to vaping had a significantly lower adverse result 40. They had two different things that they were tracking. One was 40% lower and one was 50% lower than those who had smoked. So even with, with all of that, nobody, of course, talked about the fact that harm reduction, this was harm reduction, you know, they had less symptoms because they switched fully to vaping. So of course they didn't talk about that, but that was a spin on that one. Um, something that just made me pull my hair out. And then there was this one that talked about uh, how uh, e-cigarette aerosol and cigarette smoke, the toxic effects on the cardiovascular, gastrointestinal and renal systems in mice. Of course in mice, you remember a little mice vape, mouse vaping guy, you know, he's not people, but you know, they start with this. This one came out of China. Um, it says that both e-cigarettes and cigarette smoke, that's EC and CS, reduce blood oxygen saturation. And of course, all the headlines were all about how e-cigarettes did this too, right? So they're not 100% safe. Not that anybody ever claimed that. Um, but it says, and cigarette smoke seems to be more harmful. Uh, it was a lot more harmful. It was significantly more harmful. They always downplay that difference between the e-cigarette and the cigarette smoke. It was significantly less harmful. Um, and uh, in addition, both e-cigarettes and cigarette smoke exposure caused certain damage to the gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal tract of mice, but cigarette smoke exhibited more harmful uh more harm to the oral cavity than e-cigarette smoke. So, I mean, literally they're saying this is harm reduction. Cigarette smoke did more damage than e-cigarettes. So that was a spin compared with cigarette smoke. The e-cigarettes had significantly fewer negative effects on most of the indicators that they had, if you read the study, um, which was the focus of the study. And in some cases, vaping was, and it says this in the study, was comparable to the control group. Guess what the control group is? Never smokers. So um, how they can keep saying, you know, but they, of course, that's why they latch onto the, oh, well, they advertise it as safe. Nobody's ever advertised it as safe. It, it's an outright lie that it was ever advertised as safe. Okay, so we did the good, bad, the ugly. This one actually is kind of pretty to me because if you look at the bottom there, retracted. We had another one that got retracted and this happened over the summer. Um, in this one, they claim that their study found that despite low frequency of e-cigarette use in respondents, uh, basically they said uh, the results, they, they put out, publicly that the results show that e-cigarette users were associated with higher odds of having liver disease compared to non-smokers. However, the only survey data, the survey data that they used didn't ask those questions. Uh, it, it, it asked one question, it said, have you ever used an e-cigarette? Well, how do you determine if vaping caused something if they said, yeah, I tried one in 2013? You know, you can't, it doesn't work that way, guys. Um, and then the survey data also didn't allow for analysis around timing, meaning it's impossible to tell whether somebody developed the liver disease before or after they began smoking and or vaping. So again, we've seen this one before where the data they had, they didn't say, well, did you get the liver disease after you started vaping? Some of these people had the liver disease for decades before they started vaping and they were just included, lumped in and all that. Um, and uh, we had some, some good uh, scientists who who caught, cried foul on that one and that one got retracted and boy did those, it, it's hysterical if you read the, um, here's a filter article I will share with uh, in the in the links that they just, those guys just like ran and hid after, <laughs> like they were trying to get a hold of them. They're like, can you tell me what, oh, they didn't answer our questions. You know, one, one guy told, I forget who wrote the filter article. Oh, 
I don't remember. But anyhow, he said that they were contact. Oh, we'll get back to you next week. Never got back to him. You know, I mean, it was just, they just kind of ran away, straight away like mice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. So there actually was some good stuff. This, you know, even, even the bad stuff can be good. And, and I know a lot of people sometimes in the Facebook groups and stuff, I'll share stuff like that. And they're like, why do you share this stuff? It's just garbage. I'm sharing it because every time I share it, I've usually, well, I always put an expl expl explanation in there as to what it actually showed. And nine times out of 10, it shows harm reduction. Even if it shows some harm, it shows harm reduction. And sometimes it shows that there's no difference at all. And that's for you guys to learn from. And so when you're on Twitter or something and somebody, um, yeah, <laughs> it's even safe for mice. Um, when they, when they, uh, when somebody shares that study, you'll have that in your little ammunition bag saying, uh, no, it doesn't show that. And it, and it also shows harm reduction, which is what we're always arguing. So um, that's why we share those things so that you guys have an opportunity to learn from it and have a rebuttal set up for it as well. But uh, so always, always, if you see a study come out, come check and see if we've talked about it. Cause usually I'll put something in there that'll, that'll explain it uh, sometimes a little bit more, in depth on Facebook because I've got more space than I do on Twitter, but uh, uh, you can check it out there. So if that's you want what happened more space this on Twitter. You just have to pay Elon for I'm, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I refuse. Or do all those threads. I'm sorry. If you want more space on X, X. I'm sorry. You're not calling. It I still call thing. it Twitter. I also refuse <laughs> to call it X. Bill <laughs> is like it's the platform, Twitter, and the URL is still Twitter. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and the bird. I was, when uh, I was a, a big fan of that little short era where like the logo and the name had changed, but everything else on Twitter was still like retweet, tweet this, <laughs> quote tweet. All the, everything was still there. Now it's like repost and stuff. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, thanks for that rundown, Kristen. And I, as I was listening to you go through that, I figured that that feels like something that should maybe be a regular feature on our podcast here. So um, if you are up for the challenge, uh, I, I, I think your your review of some of the good and the bad and the ugly of the research <laughs> was really good. And uh, I'm sure that everybody tuning in would, would benefit from that. So um, more of that please. Good job. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the I colors that you chose for that, that slide presentation too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to, <laughs> way to work those Casa colors right in there. So I, I That's guess to make Danielle happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're sort of coming to the end here and I did want one more uh, thing and, and maybe good news for the, the end here. Um, Let's see if I can get this up. Here we go. Uh, an excellent article from Colin Mendelson that came out this summer, Time to Change the Way We Look at Youth Vaping. Uh, I'm not going to get into a whole uh, breakdown here of, of all of the arguments that he makes, but um, certainly uh, it, this is an excellent overview of all of the arguments that we've seen lobbed against vaping uh, sort of on behalf of the children um and and debunking a lot of these claims obviously as as Kristen has done several times as Casa has done uh at, at Lindsay Stroud over at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance uh, has also done a, excellent work uh, as as information comes out putting things into context so you can actually see that this is not some uh unimaginable crisis of of youth health uh and and this article is is 
certainly a, a, a very digestible version of all of that work. Um, and I, I think if there was anything that I wanted to add to this, um, first of all, this is a very important conversation because it is sort of, the, it's kind of a third rail. Nobody wants to touch it because as soon as you start talking about any, any whiff of like allowing kids to use drugs immediately shuts down anybody's attention to what you're saying. Um, but you know, the reality is that no matter how much we want to discourage it, kids get into things. Like I said, I started smoking, I started messing around with cigarettes and other drugs when I was 13 years old and there was no marketing as far as I could tell that was really pointed at me. Um, yeah. in fact, in, in talking about Newport ads, the only ads I saw were of preppy adults on sailboats with their goofy shoes, looking <laughs> like they were made of money and that this was just absolutely the life. And I didn't, I didn't agree with any of that. Um, and, and I don't know a lot of kids who are just like, yeah, sailboats. Um, I mean, maybe, I guess, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, but that was not that was not directed at me. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that are that's being pointed out in this article that I think is really important that that I actually said many years ago to a, a congressional staffer before there was really any data on this um, was that young people who are uh, experimenting with e-cigarettes or, or maybe even habitually use e-cigarettes in, in high school or wherever they are, um, they're more likely to quit. They're, they're going to have an easier time giving this up when they want to. Uh, and that's a really important marker. The other thing is, I think, you know, in order to move forward with this conversation, we have to stop pretending in a way or, or subscribing to this make-believe that if we give kids any kind of license or if we have an adult conversation about harm reduction and are honest about the relative risks among tobacco products, that somehow kids are going to take that as license to go use the products. I know I don't I don't have kids. I'm not going to try to speak for parents here. And I know that the, the idea of, you know, give them an inch and they'll take the whole foot, you know, that stuff kind of applies. But at the population level, it's not happening. We're not seeing this. We're, we're really just seeing a bunch of people misinformed about what they can do to improve their health. And so ultimately, to try to boil this down so we can end our show here, it's all about being honest. Kids can spot a lie. They know when you're putting them on. So I, I think we need to get over the fear and the fairy tale kind of reality of, you know, trying it, it, to me, I equate all of this kind of subterfuge and misdirection about the real truth about harm reduction as like trying to keep kids believing in Santa Claus until they're 25. That that's not good for anybody. And it's a massive lie. And I, I don't think that that leads to good public health outcomes, especially when, you know, first of all, kids have access to way more information than any of us did when we were 13, 14 years old. So they can yeah. go Google this stuff on their own. Uh, and they're going to grow up with a much more robust distrust of uh, the authorities uh, and are, are less likely to listen to potentially life-saving information that these you know, federal and state and local agencies are tasked with, with disseminating when it matters the most. Um, so well, it's like that, it's like that, I mean, what they're gonna get their information from are these TikTok influencers who are telling them smoking's cool again and don't vape because it's uncool. You know, I mean, that's where they're gonna get their information from that's what they're getting it from now and it's like and it's like telling you know kids you know we can't tell kids that condoms make sex safer because that might give them license to have sex mm -hmm. you know i mean 
it's just ridiculous. And I have teens, I've raised teens. And the thing is, is if you tell them, you know, this is this is a safer thing to do. You've got this continuum of risk, and here's a safer thing to do. They're still going to go out and try the worst thing. That's <laughs> right. just what they do. I mean, well, it, yeah. it, it is. Yeah. And 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 remember when this all started, vaping was for old people trying to quit smoking was completely uncool. You know, it wasn't until Truth and all the other kind of groups said, "Oh, all your friends are doing it. It comes in kid friendly flavors. Um, you can hide it from your." teachers, you know, better than smoking and do it in the bathroom when they literally show people, kids in the bathroom. That's when all of a sudden it became cool for the kids, you know? So it's, as soon as you tell them don't do it is when they're going to do it, you know? So, I mean, if we went out and told them all, oh, you should smoke, don't vape, they'll all start vaping, <laughs> you know, instead. It's just teenagers. That's what they are. Yeah. And Brain I don't damage. know if it was, um, they were yeah. they were ads they were commercials and i i couldn't tell you if they were truth or the real cost or or you know who put them on but i i remember you know alex you just talked about it's this is going to be an easier habit for for youth to quit than smoking um were these ads that would that would show uh, you know an interview with a teenager who was like i can't get out of bed without hitting my vape i can't function in school without my vape i can't do anything without my vape so I quit vaping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just quit. <laughs> every time I would see these, yeah. I'm just like, none of that makes sense, right? No. Like you're you're so, so deep into this, you know, hardcore addiction to your vape. So you just quit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, that's, I guess that's they have like, no well, idea. Whenever I hear is. that, you know, when we talk about like, this is going point. to be easier to quit, I always go to those commercials that yeah. were somehow meant to portray, you know, this, this harsh, horrible, quote unquote, addiction to vaping. So right. quit. And, and so they you know, quit. I, you know I, what I mean? I, like it was, it was just, it's just so asinine. I, I don't know. And like who... whoever directed and produced that <laughs> <laughs> just, no, I'm sure know. it looked perfect to the propagandists. It's because all they got to do is focus on, you know, and it's this is also sort of in conjunction with the Truth Initiative's text-based app, app that, you know, if you're a, a young person, you can download the app on your phone and it'll remind you or send you helpful tips or like whatever it does. You can text with a real person, all of the things. They have since come out and, and you know, made some headlines or, or press release about how successful their app is. Well, it's not because it's doing anything really innovative or new, just because you take someone, you know, badgering you to quit using a thing into a, an app, like the only innovation there isn't actually an innovation done by Truth Initiative. It's done by the people who invented the, the mobile phone and, and, and updated it year over year to do more features and you can play Candy Crush on it. Uh, and also get <laughs> hounded by somebody who wants you to quit using a nicotine product. It's 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 that as we have just you know discussed here, it's actually going to be a lot easier for kids to give that habit up. Um, and so you know, fine if they want to use something to help them quit for some support and encouragement, but the app can't possibly claim all of that credit. And and certainly, I think you know there is research out there about this. And we need to see more of it. The FDA is going to want to see more of it, um, and uh, and I think all of this goes to you know changing the narrative about how we address not just nicotine use among kids, but but all all drugs, all risky behaviors. Um, 
So, so some of the anyway. on the article, the one from the New Yorker about the influence and smoking, I, I did see on comments on quite a few of those where they were like, yeah, I was vaping all the time and that was just so bad. So, you know, I just switched to smoking because I smoked less than I vaped, you know, and it's just like, God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, we keep seeing examples of this, um, you know, the press release from Illinois. I think some of the research that you uh, pointed to just that whole like kind of that equivocation on uh, not not equivocation the sort of waffling on you know oh smoke may be more harmful than than vaping like that's that's ridiculous so um yeah it's this is there's gonna be a lot the spin at the end of the day will be well you see we told you all along that vaping would lead them all to smoking yeah Yeah. because they can't it wasn't wasn't our mountain of disinformation it wasn't our constant puppet commercials it wasn't any of these things it was what we told you all along. And it had nothing to do with the policies that they've been right. lobbying for. Yeah, yeah. No, none of none of that's, they're just going to gloss. It wasn't because right we took nope, their flavors away. <laughs> it was just what we said all along. Yep. It's yep. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yep. And for the record, I believe, Kassaw has been saying something along these lines since at least 2014. So mm-hmm. we were there. Well, I know you wanted to end on like a super high positive note. <laughs> I mean, this is a relatively a good note. I recommend everybody yeah. go if you want to feel yeah. better yeah. about things. Yeah, go out and read sure. Colin Mendelson's article. It's it's a win. Yeah, I don't and think our- we can recommend Colin Mendelson in any capacity enough. Like, yeah, yeah, just he's awesome. He's fighting the good fight down there. Next yeah, time. absolutely, a hundred percent. So okay. I think is on that note you guys know. haven't done i haven't done a spiel in so long you can do it i believe in you. okay i just gotta shake some of the rust off really quick <laughs> thank you everybody for being here uh and thank you to all of the replay uh watchers out there on uh on facebook on youtube on twitter uh thank you for tuning in thank you for uh being with us uh for this uh i guess relaunch whatever you want to call it of uh live uh, this is a bi-weekly show, so we will be here uh, every other Saturday, unless things happen. Every now and again, we need to take a week off for whatever reasons, but otherwise we will be here. Uh, we typically kind of rotate the cast here on this on this show as well, so it may not always be all three of us. It may just be two of us. Um, but uh, yeah, every two weeks, check it out. Come join us. Tune in. Uh, share this all over the place. Share it everywhere. Share it in your your groups and on social media and and all over the place. Um, oh God, what else do I have to say? Oh, Casa.org. How about that? How about the whole website? How about we talk about <laughs> the entire organization for a second? Check out Casa.org if you're not a member. Do it. Become a member. It's absolutely free. We don't flood your inbox with emails. Just everything you need to know when you need to know it to get involved, to stay ahead, to stay informed. Um, check out the site. Become a member. Check out our merch. Danielle Jones has made some incredible merch. You get to be a walking billboard of tobacco harm reduction. Uh, or if you are so inclined to donate to Casa, we absolutely appreciate it. We put it all to good work. We promise. Uh, other than that, I really, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think you got it. I think you got I think it. I got it. I don't know what we, else there is. Do the social medias. We're on Instagram, Facebook. We are. We're all over X, the place. Formerly known as Twitter. I was going to say if there's a social media, we're on it. But there's definitely social medias that exist that we're yeah, not. Yeah, there's a few. But the major ones. We, we Facebook, have a bandwidth issue. X, 
formerly known as Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Instagram. It's all at Casa Media. Go check it out. Um, I think that's it. I think that's, that's it. all the things. I think that's all the things. I think we can end the show. I don't end the show. I'm going to leave that to Kristen because every time <laughs> I try to end this show, it goes horribly wrong. So be excellent to each other. Be excellent to yourselves, everyone. And we will be back two weeks from now. Same time, same place, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. All the other time zones is up to you. 